This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Affinity Programs. Learn how you can take advantage of BSCAI negotiated special rates and member-only savings on services, including background checks, office supplies, sales support, human resource advisory, insurance services, equipment rental, and more. Visit bscaiorg affinitypartners. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris. On this episode, I speak with Terry Watson, Vice President of Sales at Tenet Company, and Cameron Waite, founder and CEO of Real Life Robotics, about the state of robotics in the cleaning industry, how robotics are aiding cleaners in their day-to-day work, and what the future holds for this mass integration. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversity, Georgia Pacific, HD Supply, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. So Cameron and Terry, thank you so much for being part of Contracting Conversations. So excited to have you on this episode. How are you both doing today? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Lauren, for having us. Awesome. So to start us off, Cameron, at what point did robotics become more prevalent in the cleaning industry? Uh, I think it's been a it's been an ever increasing um, interest in 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 robotics in general. I joined the the industry six or seven years ago, and at that time, robots in general in general were were pretty new, and certainly in the in the cleaning space, the 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 initial kind of foray that companies took an interest in was in floor scrubbing. You know, there's, it's a, it's a difficult job to find somebody to do. Um, and it's a potentially an expensive job to have somebody drive around in a scrubber all day when there could be some other, you know, potential use cases for that much more valuable human. And so, so we're in around six or seven years ago, that's where we started to see the beginnings of some interest, but the technology was still in an early enough stage where there was a lot of growth um, opportunities for, for not only companies, but also for the technology to, to progress and get better. Um, and then from there, it's sort of, it's sort of just expanded over time to, to a multitude of sizes and types of, of, you know, floor cleaning, uh, solutions, but, but then expanding into other, other, you know, types of robots as well. What I've sort of found is since certainly COVID, we've found that there's been a lot more struggles for companies to find and fill, um, certain types of roles, some, some of those unskilled roles, and and floor cleaning has been certainly one of them or cleaning in general has been one of them a lot of companies are struggling with that so any opportunity to solution those challenges with automation um, has been what companies have been really interested in exploring Um, and so robotics robotics have been a nice way to to fill that gap fill that labor gap and allow the resources the human resources that companies are 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 using to, to be a little bit you know better deployed in more higher value tasks. 
So I'll ask too, do you think in addition to obviously struggles with, like you mentioned, being able to fill those open positions, do you think companies were also coming at it from a perspective of let's kind of protect the people we have? So instead of sending them into, you know, areas where they might be exposed to COVID, would it be better, more efficient um, to kind of leverage this technology instead? I think it's been a part of it, sure. Um, there was a time during COVID when, you know, companies were seeing an extreme, you know, drop off in in attendance in, in their in their buildings. And so if you still had things that needed to be clean, you needed five people to do the job that day whatever that job would be, not just floor cleaning, but also cleaning your, you know, high touch surfaces or doing disinfection or cleaning your windows or, you know, mowing the lawn or doing all that work that needs to be done. If you need seven people to do it and only four of them show up um, on that particular day and and then one of them is off for the next two weeks because he's quarantined, well, that becomes a challenge for you to still get the work done. And that then presents a risk, certainly, of exposure to the rest of the staff. So, so robots, certainly during COVID, became... Um, a necessity for companies to to implement to help just again fill that that gap because there was such a drop off of, of human beings to be able to do the job and it became a matter of you know if we could have somebody sitting on a scrubber for three hours or we could have somebody disinfecting high touch surfaces you know and and limiting an infection which which one's more valuable to us as a business and it was a pretty obvious answer so automation robots certainly helped fill the gap got it. Terry, um, anything to add on that one? No, I think uh, Cam covered it. I think the labor uh, shortage has certainly accelerated the uh, uh, the growth within robotics over the last few years. I think uh, companies in general, uh, for a long time, decades even, have had a strong interest in in automation. Um, it's taken a long time for the uh, technology to catch up and the ROI to make sense. Um, so over the last few years, it's it's skyrocketed. And then Terry, my question for you is, how have robotics advanced over the years in the cleaning industry? Well, it's been a massive evolution and we're still at the starting point. So uh, just uh, in general terms, uh, robotics today are far, far more reliable than they were even five, 10 years ago. Um, and just think about the ease of use uh, kind of scenario that each company will have to go through, or each operator or cleaning team will have to go through. Uh, your robots today are so much easier to to map. The day-to-day -day maintenance is so much easier. It's easier to train. Uh, the performance of cleaning is, is far superior than it, it has been. Um, and you get a consistent clean. You know, robots uh, show up today, every day, and uh, they don't complain. Uh, we don't slip and fall. They don't do a lot of things. So uh, there's a lot of upside with robotics for sure. Cameron, anything to add there? Um, sure. From a from an advancement perspective, I've found that um, there's 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 something I call the automation wave, and it sort of it talks about how uh, as AI has has become more prevalent, more used, and and you know um, uh, better in general. General, we've been able to apply AI to robotics to to solve some of those more unskilled roles. Right back in the '70s, robots were working in a automotive plant, just doing simple welds and those sorts of things. Um, and then it's moved into out into the out into the open spaces a little bit with with whether it be drones or automated vehicles and cars. Um, but then as as we've been able to have a robot intelligently and, and autonomously navigate through complex environments, which is which has been done through the use of AI and machine learning. We've been able to 
to put those robots into spaces where we would typically have somebody doing an unskilled labor role. And it's, 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 it's interesting to see that, you know, a role like that, although it, although it is simple in concept for us as humans, it's actually quite difficult for a robot to, to accomplish some of those tasks. So it's really taken a huge leap and a growth and advancement in the technology um, in order to actually apply to those, those types of roles. And then Cameron, can you provide some examples of robotics that are used out in the field? My God, there's tons. It's it's insane how many robots are out there these days to solve all the problems that uh, that we are seeing from a labor side or just from a, you know, we don't want to do those dull, dirty, dangerous kind of stuff jobs. Floor scrubbing is certainly one of them. Um, it started with the large floor scrubbers and then it it's moved now to smaller ones. We've seen vacuums, uh, vacuum robotics. There are window cleaning robotics. I've seen disinfection, UV disinfection robotics in airports and in hospitals. Um, we've got bathroom bathroom cleaning robots. That's been that's been pretty cool. I think that's gonna that's gonna continue to grow as an opportunity in some of these large, you know, convention centers or or or, or hospitals or airports or whatever. A robot that does all of that tough work that's difficult to find a job or a person to do. Um, I've seen solar panel cleaning robots, lawn mowing units, snow removal units, pool cleaning, street sweeping warehouse robots, delivery robots, mapping. And I think the major change in, in growth in the robot space that we'll see is going to be in some of those bipedal robots. So humanoid looking robots. You know, we've got our friend Elon Musk, who's been making all kinds of announcements around that. And there's a number of companies that are that are starting to play in that space that are, uh, that are you know, probably going to start somewhere in the warehouse in general, difficult, tough labor kind of roles. But at some point, you know, we'll start to see robots in our homes, bipedal robots doing, you know, sort of uh, maid or butler type service work. How do you both feel about that? Because that kind of freaks cool. me out. <laughs> it's weird. It's scary. It's whatever. It's still it's still fun. It's coming. Yeah, I remember um, must have been 2021. Um, I was in a grocery store and there was a floor cleaning robot. And I don't know who decided this was a good idea, but someone put giant googly eyes on it. And I was like, oh, man, the future is here. <laughs> it was just like this robot has a personality. I mean, it's doing an essential job, but this is getting kind of crazy. It's funny. And there's been some usability studies, too, on that, that, uh, that prove that as soon as you add those googly eyes or you anthropomorphize a, a robot, the acceptance changes. So how and how people perceive it, how people interact with it changes, right? A, a big gray box driving down the sidewalk is maybe a little a little a little intimidating but as soon as you put googly eyes on it and a smiley face people get out of the way and they open the door for it and they say hello and it's it very much changes um, as soon as you as soon as you add some of that humanoid human features to it yeah definitely um terry how would you say the robotics aids cleaning professionals well aids it in many ways robots do a great job uh at uh at performing the uh, the low skill repetitive task and I think there's a perception, at least early on, that uh, that robots were were there to uh, to replace labor, which is absolutely not true. I think uh, there's been multiple uh, test cases where this labor is just being redeployed to higher skill, higher touch um, uh, activities within the uh, the site, um, and a uh, get, makes the site overall cleaner and to increase productivity. So it's really a kind of a team effort, but how does it aid in cleaning professionals? It does things consistently and probably better than you can uh, with uh, with many sites where people are rushing around trying to 
uh, cover uh, uh, a tremendous amount of space in a small time. This cleans optimally, less maintenance, uh, very straightforward. The technology is there, less assists. Uh, it allows the building service contract to be more productive and ultimately increase the level of clean by reducing costs. Absolutely. Cameron, anything to add? I think Terry nailed it. Consistency um, certainly is one that I've, I've noticed in, in the industry that's important to clients. If you've got a number of different locations you know, across a region or, or, or a country or the world, being able to have um, a similar look and feel to those environments is important to that business because there's a certain brand you know, that they're trying to keep up. And so when you have humans doing the job, there's going to be potentially some inconsistency in that in that um, because not everybody's the same and has the same skill set and experience and whatever. But once you get a robot doing exactly the thing that you want it to do and the way you want it to do it, you just copy paste that to the next robot and the next robot and the next robot. So it certainly helps us. The, the other thing that it does for cleaning professionals is provide data. So whether that's proof of performance, uh, whether it's uh, fleet analytics, uh, efficiency of clean, uh, we're only at the start of what we can actually do with the data that's collected uh, while cleaning. So it's going to be really interesting where uh, where the industry goes with this in, in the coming uh, months and years. So these next two questions are for both of you. Um, are there any negative effects to the integration of robotics on a larger scale? Lauren, what possibly could go wrong? Like, come on. Um, I think uh, there's always a challenge. With innovation, we're asking people to do things differently. Uh, and there's a resistance to that. So change management is something that uh, should be discussed early on and, and planned around. So th that could be a challenge. And again, going back to uh, what I've talked about before is that the perception of lost labor, I think, is a traditional big factor. But I think once people understand that this is about increasing the level of clean, increasing productivity, and frankly, to Cameron's point earlier, you know, doing jobs that that many people don't want to do, I think uh, the, uh, the the acceptance uh, has been very, very good. The other uh, traditional problem early on, as we go back to your earlier questions, you know, what was some of the challenges uh, previously as uh, robots kind of evolved? Uh, one of the big ones was as these robots would break, uh, they would be very, very difficult to fix. So now, uh, you know, many companies, ourselves included, have uh, invested a tremendous amount of money and in, in infrastructure to keep these things up and running. Uh, and then finally, uh, the historical issue was with the number of assists, so number of times a robot needed to help to keep on cleaning. Uh, traditionally, that number has been high. In recent years, that number has been driven to uh, all-time low and anticipated uh, being lower in the future. So if the robot does what it does uh, consistently, when it breaks down, it's fixed quickly, so the uptime is there, uh, and people understand what its role is relative to human role, uh, I think you've kind of uh, uh, combated uh, many of the big buckets that, uh, that you will have in terms of the ease of integration. Great. Cameron, anything to add there? Yeah. Uh... Change management is exactly one of the biggest ones that well, you know I've certainly seen as well. That five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, the assumption and the fear was, oh my God, robots are taking my job. Everybody's out of a job, sort of a problem, right? That was the big, big fear, and that led to, to Terry's point, a lot of potential resistance um, from from in, from implementation. What's changed, I think, is. You know, the, the, the latest stat was that 45% of companies in North America are looking at process 
automation. 45% of companies have said, we just don't have anybody to do this job anymore. So go find a way to fix it, like solve it with automation somehow. So, so that's been, that's been great to see, but there's certainly some, depending on the industry, some negative, um, negative effects that could come from that. Another one, I don't know if it's negative or not, but it has to do with, with, with ROI. There's, there's a perception I've found that robots equals magic and they do everything perfectly all the time. And so, you know, when deploying and implementing robots, it's important to set expectations accordingly and to make sure that as that robot is going in to do whatever job it's it's been tasked to do, that you're really tracking and being able to pull the the, the right ROI out of it that the company is really targeting and focusing, focusing on. Um, because robots are not perfect and they do, to Terry's point, they do need some help every once in a while, whether that be a human interface uh, remotely or whether that be somebody on site who has to move it out of this location or example of a cleaning robot, you know, they can get into every single corner for, for instance. And so you might need a guy to go into that corner. And so you want to make sure that, that you're, you know, you're applying the robot in the right location and it's giving you the right ROI. So this is a follow-up question for both of you. So just in terms of kind of quelling any anxieties about the integration of robotics, um, are there specific ways that business owners should be communicating to their employees about the integration? You know, are there things that they can be doing better to kind of close that information gap to, again, kind of reassure them, like, you know, these are meant to help. And, you know, like you both mentioned, do the jobs that maybe, you know, we don't want you doing. Um, so are there strategies they can kind of employ to keep, you know, all of their employees engaged and on board with this integration? Sure. Uh, I think each company is different. So I think you need a separate uh, change management strategy for especially large rollouts. Um, our experience would say each one is different. So uh, I think the key is to talk about it early and talk frankly and openly about uh, what challenges the, the customer or the building service contractor have uh, and then address them specifically. Uh, but I think the big buckets are the ones that, uh, that Cam and I have talked about already. So it's really about how do you adapt it. And then, frankly, it's about, uh, you know, figuratively uh, taking the risk together and walking the path together. So uh, there are resources uh, out there for to help with this. There's experience out there. Um, you know, we're not now in our first couple of years of, of rollouts. Now we've, uh, the industry has had, uh, you know, millions and millions of, uh, of hours uh, of autonomy use. So there's a lot of learnings in there. So it's really about leveraging the learnings to the specific application. And what might be true of a retail application may not be true with an aviation application, which would be different again from a warehouse situation and so on. So it's really about having the willingness to talk openly about it early uh, and acknowledge that, uh, that change management is going to be an issue and then work together to uh, pull resources to reduce risk. Yeah, in general, I mean, deploying robots should be a fun and exciting. I know it's scary and everybody wants a little bit of a handhold along it because it's still a new experience, but it should be an exciting experience. And so, yeah, communication certainly is is key. But it's funny to see how how the, the deployment or implementation of a robotic solution can affect a business as a whole, right? So let's say you're going to deploy, you know, a, a floor cleaning robot or say a, a lawnmower or snow cleaning robot, whatever it is. You know, HR is going to get involved and go, okay, so we're going to have to change some of our job descriptions to certain people because now we've got robot operators now. That's cool. That's exciting. You know, the guys at, at finance are going to be saying, oh, we're paying, this is a different thing that we've ever bought. We never paid that much money for a, 
you know, for a general piece of equipment anymore. So that's changing. You've got your marketing guys going, hey, this is really neat. Can we tell the world that we have robots now and your sales team is going, oh my God, I'm going to use this to go get some new clients. You know, you've got the C-level team that's saying this is going to be great for our long-term innovation goals and our plans and our sustainability programs. It affects the whole company or can affect the whole company in a really positive way. So as long as it's communicated well and early, to Terry's point, um, the implementation can go actually quite smoothly. Right. So we touched on this a little bit, um, but in what ways are robotics changing the industry landscape? Well, if you take a, if a, the the scope of cleaning industry landscape, it's we're just at the infancy. It's exciting stuff, right? So where we are today will be very, very different uh, than we are where we will be in a few years from now. Uh, I think there's a lot of investment uh, going into the industry, um, and the whole idea is to uh, have these robots be able to do more things, uh, do more things with the data, as I talked about before, uh, do it easier uh, with, uh, again, less uh, less less aggravation or less, less challenges on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, it's exciting times. Um, I think you'll see all kinds of different applications come from the data that is, uh, that is captured, um, whether it be things like shelf scanning, RFID, uh, safety type of uh, of monitoring as we go. There will be all kinds of applications, and and frankly, more than than uh, than we can even imagine today. So that's within the industry. I'll let Cam kind of uh, talk about uh, things that can happen beyond uh, the cleaning industry. Sure. You know what? As a in a broader scope, I think that robots are are they're just helping to elevate the human experience overall. Right. As uh, in general, the types of jobs that robots do are generally jobs that people don't want to do. Right. I don't know many people that are sending their kids to school to deliver pizza or work in the warehouse or clean a floor or whatever it is. That's their jobs or their tasks that need to be done, but they're not necessarily jobs, you know, of the of the distant future. And so we solve that with automation. There's a there's a the, there's a high degree of retiring workforce in North America. Everybody in the middle is taking a bump up and the incoming workforce is less and less excited about, you know, unskilled roles and, and more excited about roles that have greater impact on, on society or, or themselves or higher paying roles or whatever. There's all, there's all sort of different motivations than there's ever been, but we still need pizza delivered. We still need the floors clean. We still need these jobs to be done. And so, so by, by implementing robotics, you know, you're given the opportunity for the next generations of workers to, to, to do some of those higher value tasks that are a bit more fulfilling and exciting and interesting to do, as opposed to some of the stuff that not everybody necessarily wants to do on a daily basis. Excellent. Those are all the questions I have. Any closing thoughts from either of you? I think I'm good. Terry, on your side? Nothing is jumping. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for being part of the podcast. This was this was an awesome discussion. Um, and I can't wait to share this episode with our BSC community. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having us, Lauren. Appreciate it, Lauren. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, head over to bscai.org slash podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.